even future focused parents have cringe moments, have moments where they feel embarrassed, where maybe their kids do something that they so wish they hadn't done and that they feel is a reflection on them. So part of it is just that piece of us being real. Like, I want you to hear that we're authentic. We're people who have those cringeworthy moments. We want to crawl in the corner and curl up in the fetal position. (laughs) Like that happens to us. So that's important to me. So that's one piece of the why for sharing. But the other piece for me is I think it is important to dig into how much we feel our kids are a reflection of us and that that there's some work for us to do there too. So I think it's important to share that piece and just say, hey, what does the world and society set up for us that means we think there's such a reflection on us? And of course, in some ways they are, but they're also who they are. And they're going to make decisions that really in no way have anything to do with us, but we still feel that they do, right? So that's loaded. And so I think it's important to talk about that. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Hello, future-focused parents. Welcome to another episode of Raising Adults Podcast. I am coming to you live from underneath the stairs. (laughs) All very secretive. (laughs) Actually, Harry Potter. (laughs) I am. Who knew? I'm a wizard. (laughs) And Kira's coming to you from, you know, our old friend, the washer and dryer. How are you, Kira? I'm well. I'm cozy in the laundry room. I'm fi- I'm 40 now. I don't uh, know if I men- I've only mentioned that every episode. It's I'm clearly coping with that really well. I can tell. <laughs> you I think you're trying to coach yourself into believing it, right? Like you're really coping. It's great. It's going great. Super coping. Everything's fine. It's all good. No crisis whatsoever here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. No one has turned 40. This has not no. happened. Uh, Dave did get me an amazing 40th birthday present, though. So I think I mentioned uh, on one of the episodes, I got really into working out during COVID. Like, mm -hmm. that's become an actual thing that I do on a regular basis now. And um, so with the rainy season, I can't go outdoors and run and jog and walk and all that. So he bought me, like, this epic treadmill with iFit so I can, like, run through the jungles of the Brazilian, you know, (laughs) forest. Oh, wow. (laughs) With trainers that talk me through it. And it's amazing because it like it does everything for you. So you like, you know, it's like, oh, you can tell you're going uphill on the video. And then the treadmill's like me. Oh. <laughs> it like raises you uphill and it's epic. So I am enjoying the benefits of of 40th birthday presents. And that's, that's so fancy. Good. It's super fancy. And I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Super fun. How are you? What's news over there? <laughs> news is, I'm going to tell you, I am really happy to not have to wade through piles of gifts anymore. This is the news, okay? To get into this closet, this is where we were, quote, I'll use air quotes, quote, hiding the presents. Our kids are ginormous. They know where the gifts are, right? So we don't even (laughs) attempt it anymore. We used to like be stuffing them under beds. Now we're like, they're just in the hall closet, whatever, guys. But that is where I now am and where I come to record. And I record in the very back where the where the ceiling kind of slants because the staircase is above me right <laughs> so 
for the weeks leading up to Christmas, I was literally having to be careful. You know, I wasn't knocking off a bow or getting my toe caught in a curling ribbon or like causing a cascade of packages to fall down on each other. (laughs) Not to mention like wading through the actual coats hanging in the coat closet. So I feel like the news of the day is I can get in the closet without feeling like Santa Claus three days in advance of Christmas going, I just can't wait till all these gifts are out of the North Pole. So I think like the journey, your journey in COVID and the show and like the floor and the pillows <laughs> and the coat that you were under at one point and then the closet, <laughs> the presents, like I'm really pleased for you that you can just now go into the cloak closet and record our show yeah. and you sound good. Like we got there. It took 10 months, Dina, but... <laughs> We got there. We did get there. No one can question my commitment to good sound quality. I was in every position imaginable underneath towels stacked up against throw pillows. I mean, you guys have heard the story. So, yes, even though it's a closet, I'm telling you, to me, this is a treat because I'm actually sitting upright. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm at a desk. I feel like a person. I'm not prone. I'm not surrounded by pillows or underneath. I mean, I'm near some coats, but they're not over my head. And this to me (laughs) is a step in the right direction. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. So this one today, guys. Wow. I I know in particular, you have an actual story and a scenario that's somewhat recent and cogent to this this issue, but I think there isn't a larger thing here. So we're talking about cringe-worthy parenting moments. We've all had them. We've all like been there, done that, had that moment where you just wish the like floor would open up and swallow you. And we're going to talk about that today, but there's also kind of some overarching things to think about. Why is it cringeworthy in the first place? So we're going to talk about that. And I mean, it's just a touchy one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it is because I think what we're really talking about is how do you survive them well And what's actually going on for us in those moments, right? Because really what's happening is our sense of parenthood is being challenged and this question of, you know, where do we stop and our kids begin? Where are they their own people? How much do they actually represent us in our parenting? How much should they represent us in our – it's very complicated Mm -hmm. stuff inside of what's just really on the outside an embarrassing moment or a hard moment, right? That's exactly it. And I mean, that's perfect because you've got me, as you so often do, set me up for my why. And I want to be clear, listeners, I don't have a why for cringeworthy parenting moments. Honestly, I'd rather have a why not. Could we just not have those? I mean, (laughs) if I could vote for those going away, trust me, I would. But I do have a why for sharing them. And I think it's kind of just what you set up so beautifully, Kira, is that we, we need you all to know, even future-focused parents have cringe moments, have moments where they feel embarrassed, where maybe their kids do something that they so wish they hadn't done and that they feel is a reflection on them. So part of it is just that piece of us being real. Like, I want you to hear that we're authentic. We're people who have those cringeworthy moments. We want to crawl in the corner and curl up in the fetal position. <laughs> like, that happens to us. So that's important to me. So that's one piece of the why for sharing. But the other piece for me is 
I think it is important to dig into how much we feel our kids are a reflection of us and that that there's some work for us to do there too. So I think it's important to share that piece and just say, hey, what does the world and society set up for us that means we think they're such a reflection on us? And then of, of course, in some ways they are, but they're also who they are. And they're going to make decisions that really in no way have anything to do with us, but we still feel that they do, right? So that's loaded. And so I think it's important to talk about that. So thank you for so beautifully setting up yeah. my my sharing why. You're welcome. I'm nodding. You can't see it, but I'm I'm like nodding vigorously into the microphone with everything you just said. I yeah, I I don't have a cringeworthy parenting moment. Why? I have more of a why. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think my why for sharing is exactly the same. It's like these things happen and we all have them, even parent coaches have them. I think you and I, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I definitely feel there's a whole other layer for me doing this job Mm. and having parenting go sideways. I feel um, watched a lot, even though I don't know that I am, but that's like my my internal experience is like, oh, people are watching <laughs> to see what I'm going to do. And then I also kind of feel like people think I'm judging them and I'm not. And so it's just a very added bonus, not a fun bonus, but a bonus of the work that we do to be like a parent coach and having like actual parenting stuff happen that sucks. And that's totally normal, but it's it's complicated. So my wife for sharing is exactly that. I want to normalize it because it happens to everyone. And I want to unpack this idea of, you know, how much should our kids be representations of us? How much should we feel? I don't think I have an answer for this. This is definitely an area that I struggle with where I'm trying to walk Mm -hmm. that line all Mm -hmm. the time. So I don't know that I'm going to bring anything brilliant to the table today other than just a really good story. But (laughs) (laughs) and it is a good one. (laughs) No, I think I think that's true. I mean, there's how much should they represent us? Why do we get so wrapped up in that? Why? And that's part of why parenting is vulnerable, right? Because Mm What we're doing and how well we do it is sort of on display in our people. I think that's at least how it feels, whether it should be that way or not. I mean, that's a whole different conversation, right? I think you could make the argument that that's really an unfair expectation put on us societally and all these things. But whether we think it should be or not, that is sort of the case. And so it really feels vulnerable to put forth your parenting efforts in the form of your children. (laughs) And that, that just feels very high stakes, I think. It's vulnerable and it's high stakes because we're we're kind of being exposed for some of the parenting techniques and methods we use, but it's also high stakes because we're all about raising adults. And so who these people turn out to be really matters to a future-focused parent. And that means that moment, those moments where they do perhaps step in it or do something we wish they hadn't that we feel embarrasses us or is a reflection on us, it has a lot of weight to it. And I think that's very challenging to balance out and to respond to in a way that puts us right back into that future focused stance, not dwelling on the problem, looking toward the solution, which is really what we're all about. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Oh, man, it's so fraught, I feel like. And it depends to these cringeworthy moments on where you are. The context is really important because, you know, a cringeworthy moment in the grocery store like you and I are forever using the grocery store as an example because I feel like so many cringeworthy parenting moments So many things go wrong at the store. (laughs) 
true. I mean, there's like displays that can be knocked over and stuff that can get broken. And, you know, but I think that situation is fraught in its own way because people aren't seeing the greater scheme of your parenting. They're just seeing this one moment. And so you can feel pretty judged by just this one moment. But also there's some protection there because you can tell yourself like, you know, they're not seeing the big picture. They don't know what a great parent I am. They're just getting a snapshot. Exactly. And then flip that. And it's like when it happens in a community of people who do know your parenting style and do know your kids. And then you're like, okay, well, now what? You know, (laughs) like, yes, there's some better context for how I parent, but also in some ways it's less acceptable that it's happened because of how I parent. But there's more love and understanding and compassion in those situations. So it's just, I don't know. And it's constant. I mean, I'm you have almost completely fully grown people now. This happens all the time, right? I mean, it's just like at least in my family, I feel like at least once or twice a year, something happens where I'm just like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe that just went down. Yes. No, I, I think that's such a great point. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the olders. I'll just share this little tidbit and then we can take a brief break and then we've got to hear your, your well, amazing, maybe isn't the right yeah, word, but your, your story. Let's hear your story. Is that I do think we can take some encouragement from the fact that there's a, there's a little bit of an age correlation. Again, I'm not saying society should put this burden on us in the first place, but it's there. If we're real, it's there. If we're being authentic, we have to admit that we feel our children are a reflection on us. I think you hit the nail on the head in saying that as a parent coach, we feel that even more acutely. But there is sort of an age thing. I think what I mean by that is I think the younger your child, the more society is like, mm, that's probably the parent, <laughs> you know? And mm. and when your kids move on, if they do something and they act like a ding-dong, it's like, well, they're on their own. I'm I'm less likely to feel like, oh, that's definitely something I did back when they were four that caused that. I, I right. think you do get to somewhat, we can separate it a little bit more. What I do think is challenging, however, is once they're out there, it's sort of this quote, and we're never finished. We're always working on ourselves. You and I are even big on personal development and growth and continuing to work on ourselves. But in some ways, it's a little more ouchy when it's like, well, there's your finished product and they just did that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, some adult you've raised, you know. So I think think it's both. I think we need to remember that when they're little, we are more directly influencing their lives and their behaviors as we shape that. And so there's probably some cause for an outsider to look at that and go, oh, Oh, hmm, interesting. And and easier for them to go, oh, well, you know, they're 22, of course. But I think as a parent, especially one who's big about raising adults, it's almost a little ouchier for me if my young adult steps in it in a way that's visible. Because it's like, oh, I'm presenting this idea out there that here's this completed opus, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> And my magnum opus is not so magnificent, you know. So it's really interesting. I think I think age does matter. So I'm kind of glad you you brought that up. I think a lot of our families who are listening, um, who have younger children, this feels really emotionally tied in. And I want to give them the encouragement that does get better because you're more able to be like, I wasn't even there when they did that. But it's also yeah. challenging if you're a person who believes in raising adults. You want that adult out there really representing what a responsible, fully functioning adult looks like, and not being a ding dong. <laughs> Well, and I think the other, you know, look, in a perfect world, let's just like go to perfection for a second, which doesn't exist, but let's pretend it could. In a perfect world, what we'd want is that when our children are human, because that's really what these situations are, right, is these human moments, that when they're human and they make a mistake, just like we are human and make mistakes, and it's pretty awful and embarrassing, that we would be able to look at it just as we want them to look at themselves, which is, oh, look, this is an area of growth. This is a, you know, a reminder to me that I need to talk to you about X, 
Y or Z, or maybe this is an area we didn't spend enough time on. Like just that see mistakes as growth opportunities thing that you and I talk about all the time, right? Mm -hmm. The reality (laughs) is that you're under the pile of shame. And it's very hard when you are trapped in a coat closet of shame (laughs) (laughs) to see that and to own that because we are so conditioned to, for our own selves, look at failure, failure, failure. And this, in some ways, is such a great opportunity to model, but really complicated because it's so interwoven in a way that isn't just, oh, I as Kira made a mistake. I as Kira need to look at a growth opportunity. Or, you know, my kid made a an oops that had no impact on somebody else, and we need to look at that. This is like a hot mess of all those things coming together, especially when it's something that affects someone else. And then you're like, okay, how do I unpack yeah. all that? Now I'm nodding vigorously. It is quite a cauldron of stuff. Well, why don't we just take a brief pause, and then you can share the story of what happened recently for you with our listeners, and we can hopefully tie it up in some way that makes sense. Okay. All right. Let's do that. That's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. I just want to highlight for you again this amazing opportunity that we've rolled out within the past several months here to become a member of the Future Focused Parenting family. We would love to have you join us. We've set up membership for you at three different levels where you can do something as simple as just just showing some appreciation for the content you receive through the podcast and all the way up to a more interactive involvement as a member where you get Q&A time with us. You get access to our audio and video library, Future Focused in Five, which are five-minute video or audio segments just dealing with parenting topics. We want to give you access to a lot of great things from downloadable freebies all the way up to that interaction with us as parent coaches. And it's so easy to do. We'd love to have you join us. We're so grateful for those of you who already become members of the FFP family. And it's super simple. If you visit our website, futurefocusedparenting.com and click on the membership tab, everything you need is right there to join us. We'd love to have you on board. All right. So, Kira, you've had a cringeworthy parenting moment in recent history. Are you willing to share with us about that and kind of how you grew through that process? I am. So this was pre-COVID. And when when we saw people, <laughs> when our actions influenced <laughs> other people. And one of my children uh, was at a play date. And I have to preface this with a little bit of a peek into our family and some of the things that we discuss in our family. So one of the things I'm going to out myself here, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, I think. But um, so our family boycotts the NFL uh, for a host of different reasons. But the tipping point for us was when the NFL was against the taking of the knee and the peaceful protest on behalf of the players of color. And so we stopped watching the NFL and we had a long talk with our kids about that and why we were doing it because we did love football and we did watch the Seahawks a lot. And so, you know, we had stopped watching the NFL for those reasons. And we explained that, you know, other families are still watching and that's their choice. But this is a decision that we've made as a family for these reasons. And the other thing that pertains to this conversation is that we talk a lot about healthy food choices. And one of the things I don't buy for the kids are Lunchables. And actually, I am a fan of Lunchables. I actually don't think there's anything wrong with Lunchables. Um, I just feel like I can more cheaply package that myself. So <laughs> I've always said, oh, you know, that's mostly just got like, you know, a sweet treat and crackers and cheese. And so, you know, I can make you something, a healthier version of that myself is kind of what I've said. So my child's at a play date and um, 
the everybody brings out their lunch and I had packed a little lunch for this child and they pull out their lunch and the friend's house that they were at, they pull out their lunch and they've got Lunchables. And my child proceeds to explain to them that like, oh, you know, those are those are really bad for you. And you can actually your mom can actually make those cheaper herself and um, <laughs> and like just like poops all over their Lunchables. right? Oh. And it came from, like, you have to understand, like, I know this child well enough to know that it came from this place of, like, wanting to help and inform, but came out, like, all wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So then they went on, these kids went on to explain, like, oh, this was actually our special treat that we were going to eat during the Seahawks game, but we ended up not eating it, so we're eating it today. And then my child went on (laughs) to have a word with the family about the NFL and all the reasons you should boycott them and the, you know, social justice aspect. And it was a whole tirade. So basically, this child from a (laughs) well-intentioned place berated their friends and family. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a phone call from the parent, which was totally fair. And they were wonderful. And it's not like they were like, hey. I just want to let you know what happened today. <laughs> and, and no one ever wants that call, right? The like, hey, so something happened. Right? Like, no, no one wants to receive that phone call. And the parent was just like, hey, I just want to let you know how I handled it. Like at a certain point, I just cut your child off and said, you know what? I think that's enough. I, thank you for sharing your opinions. Every family is different. And basically just like parented my kid in a way that was completely appropriate <laughs> given the circumstances. But the parent sort of felt bad about it about it. Like, oh, I'm sorry I had to do that. I was like, no, like we we are a village, right? If my child is behaving in that way, I would want you to parent them in the same way I would have in that moment, right? That's exactly how I would have handled that. Obviously, I would have cut it off sooner. But I hung up the phone and was just mortified because whilst I absolutely want to raise adults who are passionate about things and believe in things and stand up for what they believe in, I also talk with my kids all the time about how you have that conversation appropriately. Um, and and it just didn't happen on that day. And it was it was mortifying. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I would not have loved it if that had happened in my home with another child. And so it just sent a spiral of feelings through my body. And fortunately, I was able to, because this child was at the play date and I got the phone call, right? <laughs> while yeah. they were not there, it actually gave me a little window of time to calm down because I was pretty upset and was able to then have a a conversation about it when I picked this child up. But I mean, wow, like not my favorite phone call I've ever (laughs) received. No, and not by a long shot, I'm sure. No. And you do. Like I said, I I went into a pit of coat closet shame, right? I'm like, I can't believe my child behaved that way. Like they know, they, they know not to do that. They know like, these are not, this is not how we are talking about it in our house, you know, from that judgmental berating perspective. That's not the kind of conversation we're having. So it's easy to look at your parenting and go, where did I go wrong? Yes. What What did did I miss? Yeah. Like what happened here? And so, and again, like, I don't know that I've sorted this out because I still feel strongly about it. And yet at the same time, I appreciate that, you know, my kids are nine Mm -hmm. and these are big conversations, you know, maybe not the Lunchables one, but certainly the social justice stuff is, those are huge conversations that adults have trouble unpacking Mm -hmm. and, and having well. So like, really, what's a reasonable expectation of my kiddo? Honestly, I don't know. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very tricky and there's so many parts, right? You know, those values that you and I talk about all the time. Sometimes 
they're conflicting and and the child is leaning heavily into one and missing the other and teaching the nuance of walking through life in a way that is upholding all of that at once. I mean, that is an 18-year experience, right? And my kids are only halfway through that. So it makes sense that they're going to fall down. But boy, oh boy, like the feelings that came up for me of failure as a parent, like, You know, like, I want kind children. That was not kind, you know, and that's certainly not the way they see me dialoguing about those topics. And so, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now, but that's what happened. And it was, it was not good. Oh, I'm so sorry. That, that, I mean, that is so hard. And I think you touched on something that I want to just highlight and then I have a question. So, one of the things you said is, what are our expectations for them? Like keeping that in mind and staying cognizant of that. I think that is a particularly challenging piece of this. So when you listeners are having this cringeworthy parenting moment, being able to also hold intention the fact that maybe your expectations of the adult you're trying to raise need to not be placed on a seven-year-old and that they're still learning, like Kira said, the nuance of, I really want to reflect this value and I lost kindness in the meantime. You know, they, they sometimes can't hold it all and they're just figuring all of that out. And I think I've noticed for me, I mean, my kids are old enough that they've articulated this. And I think maybe one of them even said it on the show, but they feel a different pressure having a parent coach as a parent. Yeah. And so they kind of know that their behavior is on on a different kind of display, so to speak. And I want to be really cognizant about not overburdening them mm-hmm. with with that piece is because they are aware of it. And so that's very challenging to pick all that apart. But what it led me to wondering about is you were blessed to have a little bit of a time for you to process before you came back around with your child. So what did that conversation then look like? Because I do think this is about what do we do after as well. And 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 there's there's things in there for ourselves, but we also do need to come back around with our kids and just kind of reiterate family values and expectations around behavior and things. So what was that what did that conversation look like? Well, I mean, I think, oh man, you said it so much better than I did. And I, I kind of wish I had I had, had that in my pocket. But the, you know, I think I recognized exactly what you said that in trying to uphold our family values, they lost one of them along the way. And and that makes sense because they're little. So I, mm-hmm. I sort of was able to see that. And there's a great expression that I got. It's not mine, it's from my friends, Nicole and Jeff. Um, and they talk about not yucking someone's yum. Hmm. And I love that expression because it's true. It's like, you know, we don't want to, if someone thinks something's yum, let's not yuck it. Whatever that yeah. is. It doesn't have to be food related, right? That can be anything. Like someone loves camping. Well, I don't, but I'm not going to yuck their yum. You know, like <laughs> that's reasonable. They love it. I'm not going to try and make them not love it. <laughs> that right. would be silly, right? So we talked a little bit about that, about how, you know, like, hmm, you know, th- those were two things that were important to your friends. And in the way that you presented it, you were yucking their yum. I wonder if there's a way that you could have still expressed your perspective and our family's perspective, but in a way that didn't yuck their yum that just asked questions or brought, you know, like, oh, that's interesting in our family, blah, 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 that would have been kinder than the way that you presented it, which was yucking their yum. Mm. And, you know, that that helped. And and this kiddo totally got it. And, you know, it really just was a, a flub. But yeah. I think for me, one of the hardest and the things that are most cringeworthy to me, honestly, are when they impact someone else. 
You know, yes. they pull down a display at a grocery store. Like, I don't love that. I will, I will pick it up so that it doesn't impact somebody else. But that's not the same for me as when I feel like they've, you know, created big feelings or harm or sadness for another child or another adult. Those are the places I get the most uncomfortable um, because much like you, I want to raise adults of character. I want them to be good humans who show empathy and kindness and all those interpersonal things that we talk about all the time. So those are trigger topics for me. Yeah, I think we all have our trigger topics. Mine are mine are now, and this I think will make sense in the context of older kids, but mine are things about responsibility. So if I feel that responsibility has fallen down in mm. a way that impacts other people, I, I don't enjoy that. Why We recently had an issue with tardies and in like our school, school yes mm-hmm. in our school tardy is not just you aren't there it's if you aren't standing behind your chair quietly ready to go when the bell rings so i had a student um who you all can guess but will remain nameless who who was definitely there on time but but was not ready to begin with decorum and the <laughs> the challenge is at our school after a couple of grace tardies, they, they actually impact your grade. Mm. And, and so that is ouchy for me when I'm getting circled around with and talked to about, Hey, (laughs) your person is not ready to go. And, and just with the, with the person I'm trying to raise, right? Like that's, we want to be responsible and respectful of the other people. And it's a learning environment. What are you doing that maybe is not conducive to a learning environment? Those ones like sting me. Mm-hmm. And it was great. We had a good conversation. It was hard, but we got through it. And ultimately, I let the grade consequence be enough. It was enough. There wasn't a need to to bring down any any further penalty. But it's just we all have our things. So I'm glad you kind of outed yourself on like yours, like the impact to other people, like that really resonates with me. And then for me, it's tied also into like, we're getting really close to that quote, responsible adult. So, so please right. be that. <laughs> you know right. and, and it's so tricky to know, you know, like each of these little people, they're all their own people. I mean, you know, the difference between Mark and Sienna, the difference between Reese and Rhiannon, and like, they're all just different humans. Yeah. And so we where and I think we have to talk about this before we finish is so where is the space for who they are? Because we cannot make them be people that they're not right. And a lot of these values are cross personality styles. Sure. You know, any personality style can be kind or can learn to be kind, even if they're actually not naturally inclined that way. You know, integrity is something that is across personality styles. Like a lot of these big words that you and I use, they can apply to every kid. But there's pieces of this that like, like my son is a great example, is just not naturally tidy. He's just not. He just, (laughs) just bless that little boy. He is creative. He's a, you know, the absent-minded professor, right? Yeah. So he's got all these creative ideas and his room is reflective of that. And, you know, so (laughs) it's like at what point I need to teach him how to at least take responsibility, have some consistency and cleanliness and all of that. But I don't know that he's ever going to have a neat and orderly space. And I don't know that he even wants one. In fact, I can't remember if I shared this on the show, but I'll just share it super briefly. He has these buckets where, you know, we put all the toys go in these little buckets. And one day I was like, buddy, I really want to organize these. Like, can we put all the Star Wars in one and all the blood, you know, in another? And and he was like, absolutely not. And I said, why? He said, because mom, half the fun is that when I pull out a bucket, I don't know what journey I'm going to go on. Oh, and I was like, you know, and that to me is like such a great example of, okay, 
So I have to leave space for him to be him. Like that's one. I love that his brain thinks that way. I love that he could articulate that to me. So I have to do that. I also need to be able to walk through his bedroom without tripping. So there has to be like this, this fine line. And I think this applies to what we're talking about. These cringeworthy moments we have to look at. How much of this is about who they are? How much of this is about what we're still needing to teach them? And how much of this is about us and our yeah, right? And somehow pulling apart those three things. The room is a great example. I mean, I think that's one where a lot of families do that differently. And they say, hey, it's going to be organized. And while you live here, and I think you can make a case for that, like while I'm paying for the house and I have a certain expectation for how it looks, this is what I ask of you. And for some people, it's really simple. It's like, I just want, you know, your bed made. Then you have someone like me, OCD over here. And I was like, I want nothing on the floor except the furniture. Well, Mm -hmm. I had to move away from that. Like there's, there's stuff on the floor. And, and I I think that's a really good example. Uh, Another one is and you'll get there, and I'm sure a lot of families are there, but letting them figure out their own thing on the internet. <laughs> I wanted to like really, I think policing it for safety is one thing, but deciding how they want their feed to look or what goes up, what goes down, uh, that is really an interesting one where I've had to learn like they have their own like online personality almost. And I can definitely talk about how our language reflects us and, you know, what what we put that's like, making sure we're not cyberbullying or there's not something inappropriate. But like outside of a few hard and fast ones like that, it's like, oh, I've got to like be okay with it's weird. Like it's right. it's actually weird. And I think some of this is about their own self-actualization. So our cringeworthy moments, we need to look at how much of that is I'm cringing because it's not what I would do. Yeah, rather right. rather than I'm cringing because it's actually not okay. I think there's right. a difference. Right. Oh, that's so well said. Okay. So if we're like going to offer any advice, I feel like we maybe got here at the end of this episode. (laughs) It's really about that, right? We have to separate how much of this is because of them, how much of this is because of me, right? And how much of this is because of the world. And it's those three things. So like really looking at, am I upset because I feel like I would do it differently? Am I upset because I feel like it was actually just inappropriate? Am I upset because they, you know, the the world is going to judge me. Where is it coming from? Which mm-hmm. kind of comes back to that episode we did a couple weeks ago about that self-awareness. Yeah. If you're cringing, you know, we talked about like, I, I talked about my gut. If you're cringing, look at why. Yeah. Look at why you're cringing. And sometimes it's going to be that actually it does warrant a conversation. Like my example, like that was a situation where that wasn't okay. And I needed to talk that through with my kid. But what was really making me cringe, I think not Instead of just like, oh, there's a great time for me to have a conversation, what made me cringe was more about me. Mm. And being able to pull those two things apart is really important. Yeah. And I think then that'll give you your way forward. Mm-hmm. When you answer that, why am I cringing question, that tells you, do I need to address this with my child? Do I have some work to do myself? Is it a little bit of both? And it'll help you kind of make a path. Yep. We got there. See, we didn't know what journey we were going to go on either. Just like we're pulling out the bucket. (laughs) Is it Star Wars or is it Pokemon? I don't know. Choose your own adventure, Kira. (laughs) But I do have a quote today and what I love and listeners, I hope you can just bear with us. I know a lot of times we like leave you with this one little nugget and and Kira and I are both just going, "Mm, yeah, so true. This (laughs) one's just funny. Okay. So I'm just being honest because cringeworthy moments, some of Some of how I've had to cope sometimes is getting to where I can laugh at it. So this one's funny, and it's literally from at bad parenting moments. Isn't this great? Okay. So 
Because we all have bad parenting moments as well. Or the cringeworthy ones that we were talking about today. Here it is, folks. You ready? Don't be so hard on yourself. The mom in E.T. had an alien living in her house for days and she never even noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well things said. are going to be cringeworthy sometimes, guys. It's just don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> yep. Yep. And don't attach it if you can, says the woman who's very attached to them. But, um, you know, as best we can, we have to try and, and detach and just go, OK, what do what do I need to learn? What does my kid need to learn? Absolutely. The end, right. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we got to something that was helpful for you, future focused parents. Thanks for hanging in there with us, letting us share some cringeworthy moments and hopefully reframing that perspective for your own because guess what they will happen they're not an if they're a win so we thank you so much for being with us we look forward to bringing you more next week and just love diving into these parenting topics with you and want to remind you again if you're not a member hop on we love our future focused parenting members please come and join the ffp family super easy click the membership tab on our website futurefocusedparenting.com and all the options will be available for you there also we are on both facebook and Instagram. So if you haven't followed us yet, please do. Our handle is at Future Focused Parenting. And if any of these episodes ever raise a question for you, or you want to share your own cringeworthy parenting moment, help us not feel so alone. um, You can always reach out to us. Just shoot us an email, info at futurefocusedparenting.com. And remember, sometimes we turn those questions into a spin cycle. So bring us your episode ideas or your questions. We love to tackle those. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in Dina's coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening.